I am recording. I am recording. All right, you ready to get synced up? Yep. Here we go. One, two, three, go. All right, we should be synced up. Here we go. Let's have fun. A podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I'm excited because you're back. Welcome back. You know what? Thank you. So Monday that the episode dropped with with you and Leah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I listened to it that Monday. Uh, That was my jury duty day. Right. Oh. And... Yeah, uh, interesting experience. Not exact. Not what I was expecting. Um, I did not get picked for any kind of trial. Uh, I did have a sense of relief when the judge said, "This don't worry. This week we don't have any capital murder cases." And I'm like, oh. "Well, at least they're up front." <laughs> <laughs> well, and, the, and 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 like that didn't even cross my mind. And the idea that it was like, "Oh my gosh," the fact it, you know, and you know, so many people. There's like, "Yeah, you might have been there for weeks." And like, my thought was like, "No, I don't want to sit here and listen to somebody lay out the facts and show pictures of crime scenes." And like, I don't want to sit through that. Um, but I listened and I loved listening to y'all. I can't wait till season five comes around um, and Leah <laughs> returns. And, uh, the, you know, and I hate, I, 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 and I reached out to Leah cause I, I hate that I missed it. Um, I was really excited uh, cause I had so much fun on the Oscar podcast. Is that is, trying to extend the A? Um, the double A. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had so much fun on that. You know, I was looking forward to it, and, but it just, life happens it does and we'll we'll reconvene we'll definitely leah was a lot of fun to have on the podcast uh we'll we'll have to figure out a way to get them back on soon uh oh i think we can do that oh yeah but like you said the oscar podcast is finally out hopefully people have listened to it by now i well that's the one that we kept hinting at well we were on this podcast can't quite talk about it yet like a number if you go listen to back some episodes you hear us over the past couple of like Eight episodes the past like two months like like we'd mention it but we would we'd hold back. I can finally stop cutting you off like dude we can't mention that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's excited. Yeah. So of course we'll link to that in the show notes and I want to go ahead and throw this one out there as well too because at, uh, with that perfect timing of all the episodes and the guest spots we mentioned the Fang Club podcast. Leah and her co-host Bree just did an episode on Blade. So that was a very fun episode to listen to. I got to listen to that today. Uh, make sure you're rounding off that Leah uh, podcast circuit with the Blade episode this week. So Yes. All links yes, to the show. Yes, yes, yes. Well. That's interesting because there was a documentary that you still need to watch. And I know I've told Frank Daniel about it. I don't know if he's watched it. That makes the argument that the two, the, the, the two movies – of that we can thank for the MCU is Batman and Robin, the Joel Schumacher one that. Wow. And blade. And, and the argument it makes is, is, and I feel bad for Joel Schumacher and, and I know he's passed and, and he gets remembered for that and Batman forever. But like, he was a good director. 
<laughs> he really was. And, but, but the thought was, it was, that's when then it was so bad. And the comic book genre was so down that studios and stuff were finally like, well, let's just use the source material, you know, rather than just the characters and then had blade, you know, and, and they kind of got away from this mentality of like comics is, not good in terms of story. So we're just borrowing the characters. Wow. And, who would have thought using source material? <laughs> right. I mean, clearly not, you know, the new star Wars trilogy, but, um, <laughs> I'm not going to take the bait, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying like, you know, um, so yeah, so that I'm really curious. I, I need to go. I have not listened to that one yet. I need to go listen to that on blade. Uh, cause it, it was compelling. That documentary is compelling for me. Mm-hmm. Fan Club Podcast. Again, both links to Oscar's podcast and that one will be in the show notes as well. Well, if you downloaded this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 6 of She-Hulk, titled Just Jen. Now, the way we're going to handle this, we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts, which is a way to talk about the episode without getting into the spoilers, before hearing an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone. Before we get there, Jude, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? I like the trend of the self-awareness that this show has exhibited from the very beginning. It's right off the bat with, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get right up to the line of saying what happens in the episode, but not, mm-hmm. but right up the bat, right up front. Um, and this isn't a spoiler because it's happened in others with the first fourth wall break of this episode. Okay. Yeah. It's just aware of like what it is. I'm going to say this and it's going to come across like, as I didn't enjoy it, but I think it gave me a perspective in watching it that helped me enjoy it more than I might've. If they I played it that. straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you in that I've never respected a show more And we'll get into the details later, but I've never respected a show more doing what it did with its fourth wall break here than Mm -hmm. not only any other meta show, but just like, like you said, knowing what it is. And we've talked so much throughout the entirety of the season of this show knows its audience. And last time you were on, you mentioned it doesn't just know its audience that it's enjoying this show. It knows its audience that is part of the toxic side of fandom as well. And that is a level of intelligence in modern writing that a lot of shows, because I don't think every show has that meta flair, but because this one has that ability to flex it, it is just, it's so of its meta awareness time. And that's special. And I, I, cause I was talking to friend Daniel about this. I don't even think this episode is the best one of the season, but because of what it knows it wants to be it, that's what makes me respect it so much. Oh I, yeah. That, I think that's a great way to put it. Cause it's not cool. Cause Leah talked about um, episode four, I believe. And you even mentioned it where there was like, that's the show finding its stride and hitting all cylinders um, and, and what is five, the one y'all talked about, like, what, man, what are they going to do following that? You know, not having and, Madison was a hard follow up. Yeah. And, and having that awareness in this episode just shows like the, the over, it, well, let me say this. 
I am not afraid. I was afraid actually at one point of the finale. Yes. We had that conversation it, earlier this week. You know, and I was like, okay, man, there's only a certain number of episodes left at 30 minutes each sitcom style. We're used to episodes in the twenties and really, you know, and how are they going to, where's the belly of the beast part of the story circle? You know, is it an orthodox story circle? All of that stuff, but it's just like the the ability at this point to have and display that the con- and have the confidence to display that kind of awareness. I don't. I'm not as worried about the finale anymore because it's like you know where you're at, you know what you are, and 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 it feels like there's a clear plan all the way to the end. I think I can respond to that and then get us into the spoiler zone if we need to get into specifics. Because you did. You texted me earlier this week and you're like, story circle wise, are we at the belly of the beast? And I thought about it for a while and I didn't text this part because it was part of my initial reaction. But there was this this reach that I wanted to. There was something I was reaching for, but that felt like I was talking down about the show. But it was almost like I'm not expecting that of the show because Mm -hmm. It's been fun. It's been light. It is telling smaller story circles with its episodes, but I didn't feel like we were at any sort of midway point because there hasn't been, outside of just the Jin being our central protagonist, there hasn't really been an arching plot. This episode made me feel comfortable with the shows. Like, yeah, we don't have to have a large world ending stakes. We're just doing what we want with these characters. And I'm not, I don't feel as, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't feel like it's as uh, pejorative to say I'm not expecting that tight of a story circle for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's about as vague as we can get before getting into the spoiler zone. So like I said, you're going to hear an audio cue. And on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. All right, before we get into the most important topic breakdown, uh, I forgot to do this before the spoiler zone, but we wanted to make sure we hit this at the top of the episode. Don't forget, you can join the Discord and rewatch these episodes with us on Monday evenings. I, I know I've been saying this every week. I'm really enjoying it because I didn't realize how much of an extension of the podcast it would be. It's been so fun to have a scene play out and people spark conversations based off what we said here in the podcast, and we get to continue that discussion while they're inputting what they uh, think about the scene as well. So if you want to be part of that, make sure you're uh, joining us on Mondays. Yeah, please do. It's a it's a fun group, and, you know, it does it feels like a true extension of what we're doing here, you know, mm-hmm. just having this conversation and getting to, to add more people to the mix. Yeah. So, and if you join the Discord and you go to the left-hand side of the server, you'll see something labeled events. Uh, there will be a localized time reminder that you can click on, so it'll let you know whenever we're starting. It's 7 p.m. Central, uh, and based on your time zone, that will be reflected in the reminder. And, All right. Uh, real quick, one last thing. If you're not right there at 7 o'clock, it's okay. Jump in anyways. I was late last week. <laughs> I was out I was out shopping, you know, for homecoming dance stuff for one of my kids and came in late. 
it's okay. We'll welcome you anyways. We won't we won't tease you too hard. Yes. You know, it was so funny when you were about to say, and if you're not right there on seven, it's fine. You know, get on Trey's texting list and he'll remind you right before. I know, right? <laughs> that's that's the Patreon tier, the ultimate tier. I'll text you a reminder for the Discord. <laughs> right. Oh man. All right. Let's uh the, pa- let's the Patreon to- tier. Yeah, the Patreon tier that includes Trey as your personal secretary. <laughs> <laughs> it would be an honor. All right. Uh, most important topics. We've got three for you this week, uh, which are Mr. Immortal, The Wedding, and Intelligentsia. So the first one is going to be the section for us to discuss the case of the week with Mr. Immortal, who is being represented by Mallory Book and Nikki. So Jude, within this section, where would you like to start? Man. Yep. I... Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start here and just uh, one quick comment and move on. Oh, to the next important topic? <laughs> no, not not the next important topic. Um, I'm really enjoying. Um, oh my gosh, it just slipped my mind. <laughs> she. Um, no, 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 no. The actress. <laughs> um, oh, uh, that Renee. that's playing the 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 attorney. Oh, she was in Hamilton. Re- there it is. Renee, Renee Elise Golds- Goldsberry. Renee Elise Goldsberry. Yes. Golds. Yeah, Goldsberry. I just think she's doing phenomenal. And, and one reason why it slipped my mind is she's in Hamilton and she plays Angelica. And I almost said Angelica. And I was like, no, that's not right. So I had to stop and IMDb real quick. I'm really enjoying watching her. And I think she's doing fantabulous. And that whole sequence just the little thing she did of like the facial expressions in there um, with, um, with Nikki, you know, Uh and they're having those conversations and divorce is hard. (laughs) I know. I know. Okay. I gotta, I gotta say some context too. And this is, I think this, I can't tell if this is helping my thoughts or what's throwing them off in my first watch where I wasn't fully paying attention. Mm -hmm. My first watch the comic book club at school watched it on Thursday. Uh-huh. And, you know, I teach at an all-boys school. So it's like me, you know, co-worker, friend, Sean, and it's the other moderator, and just a room full of seniors and juniors. No, seniors and, like, freshmen. And, and, and I just kept watching their reaction through this whole scene it was just really an interesting experience uh, <laughs> to, I would say, feel the uncomfortability <laughs> of what Mr. Immortal was feeling. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's funny. You see, <laughs> I never thought about that context of you watching the show, but that's, uh, that's yeah. definitely an interesting one to have. Yeah, because I'm loving it. Like, I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. This is, you know, and he's terror awful. But then I'm looking around and, and it's like, I don't know if they're fully grasping why this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll follow you out on that limb with uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry. Uh, Mallory Book is such an interesting character. And 
I find what's fascinating about her in this episode, of course, she takes the case. She's very apprehensive at first, but once she has Mr. Immortal and it's like, you know what? I'm going to do this, but you're going to pay. You really get to see her flaunt her legal expertise. But it, it also opens up the pathway for Nikki to show, I wrote the quote down, how unconventional and excellent she is. The fact that Mallory and Nikki are bonding during this whimsical case of of Mr. Immortal uh, faking his death to get out of marriage. It's it's sweet in a superhero context. And Mm -hmm. you get little pieces... You get little pieces of who Mallory Book is, and it's not necessarily by what they tell you, but what they're not showing. So, for example, at the end of this case, I'm kind of skipping ahead, whenever Nikki and Mallory are debriefing, there's a moment where she opens up to Nikki and it's like, yeah, I'm married. I have kids and then immediately cuts it off. It's like, okay, you were asking way too many questions. So you get like just a peek behind the curtain of who Mallory Book is while still maintaining that like professional courtesy of the workspace. And I find that fascinating. Is this next episode where the belly of the beast comes? Does Jen lose her best friend to Mallory? Mm, I don't know Remember, if I would... she had because she had the whole thing of like oh are we friends and Mallory's like uh, no <laughs> you oh know? you mean Jin losing Mallory book to Nikki no well losing Nikki to Mallory right that her paralegal who was her mm. best friend but I can't see the show doing that because Nikki. Uh, we haven't got to that section yet, but Nikki like immediately calls Jen on some information that she had with Mallory Book. So okay. I don't, I I can't see that just yet. But uh, it it is still sweet that you're because I'm almost seeing it in tandem of like Jen's like slowly opening the door. Nikki opens it up a little bit more. I'm hoping that this becomes a bigger foundation of a trio friendship with them three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I could see it going that way and. I'm just, I'm going to stop there, hold that thought, because I'm going to try to save it for the intelligentsia (laughs) section. Well, I I do want to speak a little bit more, because we've been dancing around it with uh, Mr. Immortal. He is a superpowered being who, by the name, cannot die. Uh, I actually found out by uh, some Reddit comments that apparently this is another mutant. We have one of another confirmed mutant in the MCU with Mr. Immortal, but he represents what I love about the case of the week where it is taking the whimsy of a superhero show and putting it in a legal examination to test the boundaries of what a world like this would actually be like. And it's one of those things where if you think about it too much, it probably is like, okay, this doesn't make sense, but it's such a ripe ground for humor. Uh, The idea of him wanting to jump out of the building, then having a hard conversation was really funny. And that setup leads to the moment where he is confronted with his exes and he goes to get up and Mallory Book puts her hand on his shoulder and sits him right back down. Like that little... That playing in that space of the superhero power in that legal drama is really fun. I'm with you on that, but I'm I kept going mentally of like he's immortal. Like where does where's this coming from? Where's like like MCU wise 
and because it's a multiverse saga, I'm like, it has me questioning. Are we watching what we thought of as the prime timeline? You know what I mean? Like, like, because, mm-hmm. because, like, that's a really unique power. Just to all of a sudden, like, have some random character for it. You know what I mean? And it's acceptable. And we take it for what it is because it, it, it it works for the story of this episode and of what they're doing as a job. Right. And you need the clients and it's like, it is funny and it works. But at the same time, I'm like, this is a connected world. It's like, what's going on here? What, what are they going to reveal to us eventually? Mm-hmm. I can see where you're coming from because it's. A no, question. it didn't take me out of the episode. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's, it's one of those conversations that always strikes up every time the X-Men are brought up. How is the MCU going to bring in the mutants? We are already part of the mutant story is the keeping it in secret and the persecution and the otherism of these mutants. But we're living in a world where heroes are common. So I see where you're coming from of like, this is a really unique power that is just all of a sudden in broad daylight. The thing that I think makes it not that it isn't for you, but the thing that makes it acceptable for me is it is in line with people like Jen, Titania, Elf, the Light Elf, I can't remember her name, and the mm-hmm. Magician, who are all people who have superpowers, but they don't want to be superheroes or supervillains. They're just living their life. And so with Mr. Immortal, it is really funny to me to think about this guy who has this power and all he's really doing is just getting into relationships. And so, because mm-hmm. I was even thinking about it too, he's probably what, late 60s, early 70s in in this? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. It may, whenever he was discussing one of his relationships, he, she mentioned, oh, I was with him for 18 years and it made me wonder how long has this guy been alive? But right. it is also really fun to think about like no he's just we're at the start of his immortality <laughs> even though he's aged <laughs> up to like the 60 this is still the start of it <laughs> yes yes so i don't know that again that's it, it 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 to me was an interesting that that part of the again mr fantastic mr fantastic fantastic four no mr no but mr immortal right so it, part of the mr immortal section you know, is it, it brings up the question of the the canonicity uh, and and how they're going to make that work. I did love the scene where he jumped out the window. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a a really funny, just way to do it. <laughs> to be honest, well, it's one of those things where like I saw that in the trailer and I'm like, whoa. She Hulk's gonna be going up against this invincible person. How is she gonna handle this? It's like no, it's just, it's just another legal mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he can't handle um, strong, independent women, and he takes off running for his life. <laughs> Runs from confrontation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of strong women characters, we touched on it from the perspective of Mallory Book, but I really want to spotlight Nikki here because she has her own little mini arc where you mentioned the look that Mallory gives her whenever she's like, oh yeah, divorce is hard. And that builds to the moment where she's sitting on the desk cross-legged just speaking with each of the women of like, all right, we're going to get you this. We're going to get you meaningful mm-hmm. eye contacts and a, a eye contact and a, a apology. And she's just really connecting with these people in a way that is sincere and representative of who she is. Um, mm-hmm. And it's nice because even though we've seen scenes with her Well, last week would probably be the first scene we really saw with her getting to be on her own. But so much of it has been in context of Jin being that paralegal. And this is her getting to be active and in the forefront. And I like that they gave her time to do that because the actress Ginger Gonzalez, I believe, was her Mm -hmm. name, Mm -hmm. uh, is fantastic. I I love her screen time. Yeah. She's done well. Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. Gonzaga. Uh, Yeah, it's... She's been fantastic as well. My my thought was, and and I actually um, I've seen I know I've seen Jamil and other things before, and the only other thing that comes to mind right honestly right now is um, the episodes of uh, what's the show the good the good place, place. yeah. Um, and she was awesome in that. I have yet to see um, Tatiana Maslany. You should watch Orphan Black. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ginger <laughs> and other and other things. Yeah, I mean, you say that I've been I've been holding back a little bit, a little bit, talking and wanting to talk about Tatiana, but because I'm waiting for the wedding section. Um, but trust me, I well. Let's go ahead and get there. Because... I, I, I am tempted to just buy Orphan Black to, to get through it again. <laughs> well, unless you have any more, I, I'm pretty wrapped up on Mr. Immortal. Uh, so our next most important topic is the wedding. Uh, this is the section for us to really dive into Jin being invited to the wedding, uh, wanting to show off her she-cult. She-Hulk powers, but being asked not to by the bride. And finally, the confrontation after the discovery that Tat... I was almost about to say Tatiana. Titania is at the <laughs> wedding. The fact that, that that's a little tongue twister I have to deal with every week. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll follow up with my pre-spoiler thought of respecting the show. And then I'll throw it to you so you could talk about what you were just mentioning. The thing that I respect so much about this show is that last week it teased Daredevil. We know mm-hmm. Daredevil's coming. And yeah. I like that this show is like, you know what? You're going to wait and it's going to be fine. Weddings are inconvenient. So is this episode. We're going to tell our yep. own story. And that's completely fine. And I I loved it. Was I disappointed that I didn't get to see Daredevil? Yes. But it made me appreciate the conviction at which they decided to place this episode at this point of the season right right and just the smile i'm like i don't care and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna enjoy myself at the wedding like like it was just (laughs) it it was great um and then and then the whole way they did the wedding of just showing up with as and as she hulk this show has me really questioning how to talk about Jen Walters 
Because, like, I'm saying showing up as She-Hulk. And so it's done a good job of, like, making it too distinct, right? Mm-hmm. And, but that's Jen's struggle of, like, no, it's still me, you know? And and trying to and trying to reconcile those two things. But even here, it's like, oh, she showed up as She-Hulk. No, we should just say Jen Walters showed up. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what Jin wants, you know, and, and trying to reconcile that. Um, but then, you know, the bride like, uh, you know, you can't show me up, which I mean, let's be honest, culturally speaking, you know, American culture speaking, um, you shouldn't show up the bride, you know, show up, you know, it, it was, it, it's a weird conflict of, Jen saying like, "Oh, no one won't notice." It's She-Hulk. She's towering above I everybody know, else. I know. <laughs> but it's such a weird place to be because it's like the whole the whole, from what my read has been throughout the season after our conversations is so much of this show is about what other people want of Jen rather than what she wants for herself. And so this is the moment where she's like, I'm going to show up in this form because I want to look amazing. I feel amazing. Mm -hmm. And I want everybody to know. And immediately she's told she can't. And so it's, it's in this place of like, yes, it is. She will be standing out quite literally, but also if this is her, she, that should be what she wants to be. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so okay. So one of the things, as you mentioned, um, as a fan of Orphan Black, as you are, mm-hmm. um, that's a joke for pretty much just TK. I don't know if anybody else knows. I haven't <laughs> seen it, but TK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think friend Daniel knows too. He's, he's, okay, <laughs> uh, you know, but Jin Walters is. I, I just can't say enough about how phenomenal Tatiana Maslany is because Jen Walters is her portrayal. Of Jen Walters is truly something different and unique than what else I've seen her in in Orphan Black. And if you've seen Orphan Black, you understand that you've seen a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and how talented uh, Tatiana is. And, from watching like interviews of Tatiana, you know, going to the comic cons for from black or doing interviews for she Hulk and stuff like that. It, it, it's like, it feels like that's actually Tatiana. And like, you just feels like you're, she's legitimately having that much fun. And that's one of the things that's really cool. But also it's like, no, you're acting. And that is Jennifer Walters and you're acting, but it's just like the way she can embody that. And, it makes you feel like that. No, that's actually her. That was one of the things that I really loved about this episode. It's just the interaction, the whole, what am I going to do for a couple of hours and the dancing and just the, it, it was just so, it felt so real and genuine. The disappointment of seeing Jonathan was, you know, the Nerf football sized dog. You know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the scr- scruffy nerf herder. <laughs> right? Like, anytime I see a dog like that, it reminds me of a comic, Dennis Leary. And in one of his stand-ups, he talks about how, like, his kids wanted a dog. And he's like, great, I love dogs. Let's get a dog. 
And he's like, I'm imagining this big, like, Rottweiler type dog. And he's like, no, they come home with this little dog that I, it's like, I can probably throw 60 yards, run a post pattern, (laughs) 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 you know? Um, and so that's all, every time I see that, I think of it, I'm just like, I, we could probably throw that dog like 60 yards. Like it's just, not that I'm advocating throwing dogs 60 yards. <laughs> I mean, you were well known as not the dog person on the podcast, so you've to- you've chosen to go into interesting territory this week. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Never mind. For the okay. record, I don't endorse throwing dogs. I do endorse Orphan Black. Uh <laughs> I, I don't endorse throwing dogs. <laughs> the mental image of it though is kind of funny. You know what? I will say this. I've never been more conflicted in a moment where I was so disappointed that the friends, so-called friends, thought pairing her with a dog would be an appropriate pairing off of of, of, of the uh, bridesmaid and groom, uh, groomsman, and also that dog being really cute. And it's like, oh, no. Like, I was torn in two different directions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I do want to speak to what you were saying about Tatiana, Tatiana Maslani, because I, I think you're hundred percent spot on. I believe it was an interview with Jessica Gal, the showrunner that I was reading where she talked about working with Tatiana and how it was, it was wild to watch her disappear into the character. She was standing there and it's like, that's not, that's Jen Walters now. And that mm-hmm. authenticity is on full display here in this episode, starting from the moment where she's gleefully like, you know what, deal with it. This is a wedding episode to dancing at the wedding, getting drunk and like drunkenly flirting with Josh, Uh, even down to the way she is disappointed when she's dealing with uh, Titania or sitting Mm -hmm. alone out on that bench, just trying to get away from everyone else or even masking the pain she feels of everybody throwing the chores on her rather than feeling included. Uh, and, and uh, I can't believe I almost forgot it. I mentioned it earlier that scene where she does open up about like, I want it to feel amazing because everybody else thinks she hulks amazing too. That is yeah. genuine pain masked behind gleeful inebriation. And she made that feel real. I know I, it was, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's well, even, even the, the, so, and this is what I have to compare it to the scenes where an infinity war or banner is trying to to turn into Hulk but can't. Runs in the family. <laughs> and then when Jen tries and she's like, ah, oh, I forgot. For some reason, again, this is not a knock on Ruffalo, but for some reason it just felt different. It felt more real. <laughs> and, and maybe it's just because I like Tatiana that much. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that with with Ruffalo. There's a hint of like you can tell he's not trying not to laugh. Like, oh, this I get this joke. But with Tatiana, there is this moment where she's like, oh, she really did forget. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because she almost gets halfway there. It's like, oh no, never mind. I don't know how to do it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the punch. I wanted. I wanted. I I could beat you as as Jen, and she like throws the punch, and it's just like, I don't know what this says about me. But as long as it's in a comedy, it is never not funny to me watching someone go face first into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even on top of that, everything we're talking about with her acting or the physical comedy of her doing that was so good. 
mm-hmm. you know what it actually reminded me of? Um, Tombstone. Is it uh, Doc Holiday? Wherever he's he's drunk and he gets into that bar fight and he's like, "You're too drunk to see," and he's like, "Don't worry, I got two guns for both good. of you." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and the guy the guy who said that was Thomas Hayden Church. Really? Yeah, that's Doc Holiday. No, not Doc Holiday. The one that said, oh, I, th- "I bet you're so drunk you're seeing double." Uh huh. No, Doc Holiday was Val Kilmer. That's what I thought. I was like, am I misremembering this movie? No, no, no. It's, it's Val Kilmer, but the, but the guy who said it was Thomas Hayden Church, the one who played Sandman mm-hmm. in Spider-Man 3 and then digitally played Sandman in, <laughs> in No Way Home. Quote, notice how I'm using quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, that's what that reminded me of. But I, I do want to say this. This is a credit to filmmaking, not necessarily specifically Tatiana, but the moment where we're in her point of view and you see Titania and doubles and she's trying hard to focus and then she blinks and she comes back and we see Titania standing there. I thought that was a brilliant way to show the mm-hmm. transformation without actually showing the transformation. Yeah. Uh, because they, they already did the educational work of like one of the benefits of being a Hulk is you can't get drunk. And so it's right. like, what a smart way to bring that back to this moment. Anytime you get, I want to say anytime, maybe, maybe that's too, too broad, but I like that POV type thing, right? Where you mm-hmm. really get right into their eyes. Um, and for that transition, that was really cool. Yeah. And when it's done, like selectively, it can work mm-hmm. so well. And that was yeah. the right time to move, especially the way they lead into it. And she's like, okay. And then she like stomps her foot and like mm-hmm. launches Titania into the air. Mm-hmm. What a great way and to do that. And I love how the DJ just went with it. Oh, you mean DJ Enchettable Hulk? Yeah, right? Like he's <laughs> Respect the name. <laughs> hey, look, he uh So why he gets the big bucks. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I love because I, I watch with captions and this is the first time that I've seen that DJ Airhorns be labeled as obnoxious Airhorns, which is so <laughs> perfect coming from a person like Chad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. So we're we're kind of in this moment. Let's talk about Titania uh, a little bit. How did you feel about seeing her show up and, and crash this wedding? In some ways, it felt right. In some ways, it felt forced. Okay. Uh, it felt forced in a like. We're this many episodes in this and we got to have that conflict between the two of them and that hasn't happened a lot. So let's, we got to, we got to shoehorn, shoehorn her in somewhere. But then it felt right from the standpoint of like, as her character being like an influencer or creator or whatever you want to call it. And like having the ego to just, I'm going to crash a wedding and you're big enough influencer creator that like nobody cares. They're like, Oh, you showed up to my wedding kind of, kind of thing. I thought was actually a really good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Cause I can imagine that being real. Like, I, well, okay. So it, it, I think of it this way. It's like, you know, weddings and, have weird opinions on weddings, but, but, but like you have like 
this is the special day and it's and it's planned and all of this stuff and you want it to go right and you want it to go perfect you're afraid anything's gonna mess it up and then like maroon five shows up randomly to shoot a music video you know (laughs) and and thinking about the you know sugar and 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 some of those were staged in the music video but some of them were actually real where they showed up to real weddings for the music video um and what I read about that, it was interesting that it was like they performed, but because it was a music video, I think they did like a couple of takes. So like you're at this wedding and a wedding reception and you're doing like a couple of takes, but we're making up for you by like having Maroon 5 like perform for you as well. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded groom? I do. Hey, can we get another take on that? We want to get it from this angle. <laughs> right? Like, like, and and again, I, I get that it was a reception, but it's like, it's, a, it's almost like the nerve to be, to like, I'm big enough that you're going to want me there surprising, <laughs> you know? Well, it's all, um, it's all part of the, the mythos of like Bill Murray. Apparently like he can do stuff like that too, where he just crashes parties and it's Bill Murray. Yeah. And so people are fine with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's, and, and so that's the other reason why I was like, okay, it felt forced, but it was a good way to do it because it, because it fits that character. It fits that, that level of celebrity, you know, um, that, that goes with it. And like, and yeah, that would be acceptable. It does make you wonder though, sometimes of like, if my parties or wedding have never been crashed, like how low on the social ladder am I? that the celebrity's not going to crash my stuff. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get you up there. We're going to you're going to throw a party <laughs> so big so, at some day. <laughs> maybe maybe we do this together the MC you need to know bash. <laughs> we'll have it we'll have it crashed by somebody. Yeah. For once yeah. I'll attend a party where I'm not the one crashing what, with my social I, levels. <laughs> I, I love that we will have it crashed. That's <laughs> the whole idea of crashing it is like you're not invited or whatever and you show up and you crash it and you're like we will have it crashed this is this is a nathan fielder bit all right the plan have a party where it's crashed all right getting back on topic the i did i enjoyed uh titania uh i think i've been calling her tatiana I'm so no, mixed up on the names. You you said Tatiana once, but corrected yourself. Okay, good. All right. Titania. I really enjoyed having her here in this episode, not only because of the humor level of her like gaslighting Jin of like, oh, I'm just here to support the groom who she never once is able to name throughout the entirety of the episode. And I right, think yeah. maybe once is able to name Lulu. But on top of that, it gives us more motivation with Titania. And I was talking about this with friend Daniel. I'm of two minds. I don't think this show needs to have a large-scale villain. But sometimes I feel like it also wants to have it. Like, that's what they're trying to make Titania. But I'm perfectly fine with her being this, like, I'm petty and I'm upset that you're stealing the spotlight that I want. Which, Mm -hmm. if you think about it too much, it doesn't make too much sense because the episode at the beginning had her crashing the courtroom before Jin was fully out as She-Hulk. But I was also in that same interview, I believe, uh, which I'm going to make sure to link in the show notes, 
this that episode originally was episode eight. So there's been a lot of like shuffling of episode orders. So I'm I'm sliding a little bit on that there. But at the The first episode? Yeah. The whole Jin and Bruce stuff was originally episode eight. According to Jessica Gal. Okay. You you're smiling like you got something to add. I don't. I'm just trying to imagine what the arrangement would have been. Mm-hmm. Read the interview. I'll link it in the show notes. And, and, I, and I'm curious of like, to what extent some of these fourth wall breaks have been like the reshoots, the pickups afterwards. Oh, that's going to make the assembled documentary really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because, because if they the awareness at the beginning of this episode to say, yeah, like, I know it's a wedding episode and it's inconvenient, but we're doing it here anyways. Like, I'm wondering if that was a pickup later, if they had episodes were rearranged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to put a, a bow on my thought, all I was going to say about with Titania, sometimes it feels like her character villain level is the equivalent of like a Hanna-Barbera character, like tiptoeing into scene and causing havoc and then going away. But I, I, I don't think I can pass full judgment until the entire show's out about how they've handled her. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm okay with what they, what they did here. The, the slipping and falling and messing up her veneers was kind of goofy, but there's so much good stuff around this episode that I, I was able to look away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, one of my favorite scenes, I think, of this entire episode is something very small, and it is after that first confrontation with Titania, where they finally get Jin to concede, like, this isn't about you, I'm not here, I'm just here to support Lulu, and she walks off and she finds an outside bench to sit on by herself and eat those almonds. They lingered on that shot for a very long time. So much of this show has been cut, 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 cut. Like we are moving from scene to scene, but they really let Jen just sit there and breathe. And it was something I feel like we don't see a lot of in any of the shows or the movies of just a character getting to be. And for whatever reason that stood out to me, I enjoyed that scene. But that leading into Josh coming in was something that has me... On my first watch, I was like, this is really cool. I think it's very cute the way they're flirting back and forth. But mm-hmm. the second, I hope they aren't setting us up for somehow Josh is nefarious. And this was oh, like him. I, invi- I, feel like, I feel like they're setting us up. I know, and I don't want it to be. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> they were really cute together. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, and, 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 and honestly, that, that goes back to the... How many episodes do you have? Well, no, it, it goes back to two things. How many episodes do do you have? And what can you do in 30-minute episodes that are this short? And a 30-minute style, sitcom style show like this is usually in the 20s. That's what we're used to. And so it feels like a character that, yeah, that's what you're setting up. But also I think one of the reasons it feels that way is it's not overly clear who the villain is. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, you have Tatiana and that's like the obvious a villain? villain. Titania. 
Oh yeah. Thank <laughs> I did it. I did it. Titania. You have Titania, who's supposed to be the obvious villain. There was and and I said I was gonna I was getting to it earlier, but I said I was gonna wait, but now I'm gonna bring it up. There was some hints of like, okay, Mallory Book feels kind of villainous. Like stumbling upon this, but you don't want to mention it. Is Titania responsible for the wrecking crew who showed up that clearly was trying to get Jen's blood, but it they stabbed She-Hulk's arm instead? Or Jen as in the She-Hulk form that bent the needle, and then you see that like because it's not clear yet. I, because I feel like it's not clear, that's where it makes it up in the air for Josh. I can see that. There, there's, there's a lot of moving parts in the villain department of who's actually the culprit. Because even back to the Wrecking Crew, the one that tried to stab her was masked. And yeah. outside of Lulu talking to Josh to like, hey, can you come help inside? And we see how indifferent she is with everybody. It's like, oh, the staff's quitting on me because apparently I'm hard to work with or something. <laughs> yeah. Nobody else really interacts with Josh. He seems right. pretty laser focused on dealing with Jin. And it is one of those situations where like, maybe it's just this, this like perfectly written guy coming in at this moment because obviously he's there to get something else. But yeah, I, I see what you mean of, of it not being clear of what, what's going on here. But I'm holding out hope. I Jen was so happy flirting with them mm-hmm. and like going back oh, and yeah. forth. And even their end scene where they are finally bonding over a plate of fries, which seems to be the go-to move for Jen for sealing mm-hmm. the deal. <laughs> so Nothing wrong with a good plate of fries. I mean, he it, it looked good. Yeah. It's a good way to spend an evening <laughs> with fries. <laughs> I think we can go ahead and transition into the last important topic, which is intelligentsia. Uh, this is the section for us to discuss Mallory and Nikki stumbling onto the website that had all the toxic death threats towards Jin and the revelation of the scientific lab trying to figure out how to finally get Jin's blood. Uh, what I love about that. Is the okay, doubling da- is the doubling down of the meta stuff? Yes, I it scares me. Not not for anything of the show. Like that's like, can we talk about the Batman? Is it? Do we need a spoiler? Like just a broad spoiler? I don't think so. Is it past the spoiler queue on that one? I'll, I'll yeah, keep I, like it like I, like I think we could talk of the Batman. Okay. But, uh, because if you've listened to this, you know we were on, you know, for any... The Geek Generation. Yeah, we were on the Geek Generation with Rob Logan talking about it. So I, I think it's the, fair. Nothing frightens me more than, like, online radicalization. Mm-hmm. And yes, this show has been very keen on, like, you know, I... The, feminism is ruining my superheroes or wow they made the hulk a woman now like what else are they going to take away from the hulk or whatever they've been so spot on on those quote-unquote critiques it changes tonally here once they get to that website and it's brilliantly showing how the 
harmless trolling or post devolves into something much darker. And so that moment, even the way it's lit, where Nikki and Mallory are in that dark room and basically the computer is what's lighting them up. Mm -hmm. And you see post after post of, we got to kill Jin. We have to kill her. We have to cancel her. That shook me, man. That really, really shook me. It's... The... The awareness, and I'll go back to this, the awareness this show has had from the beginning of we're going to just be up front and troll the trolls. And doing it in such a way that it's a joke. And then making it a serious part of the show. Because the reality is, it is serious, you know. A hundred percent. That, you know, that that this stuff happens, and it shouldn't. Yeah, like it was, it it was like, it, it was just that awareness of like, yes, it's been fun in games. And we know it's fun in games, and it happens. Oh, but by the way, it's dangerous, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and well, that it's not all fun in games. I mean, that's what we talk about here all the time of that, like, we try not to bash or that responsibility of, like, what we're putting out there because even though what may be a joke for you or me of, you know, Zack Snyder, whatever, this or that, stuff like that snowballs. And so that's why we've always been so conscious of, like, what we put. And so I love the depiction that this show has taken, like, what you said of, like, haha, very funny to this is serious now. And the yeah. extra layer that this show is exploring it is the conversation between Nikki and Mallory, where Nikki's like, we got to tell Jin. And Mallory's like, no, don't feed the trolls. You're just giving them the attention they want. And it reminds me so much of back during summer of 2020, uh, the Black Lives Matter movements. There was a lot of people reexamining the ways that they were treating black Americans. And mm-hmm. even even down to like, not on the large scale, the place that I'm bringing it to is one of my favorite online creators, Rooster Teeth, where it got to the point that one of the founders had to stand up at the start of one of their podcasts and openly discuss a situation where one of their former members, Mika Burton, was harassed online because she was a black woman in a gaming space and that for whatever reason always leads to like serious matters and he talked about and i'm 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 kind of like summarizing this there's i i'll link to the episode because i think it is very important to listen to but he started from a place of saying that he wrongfully for years believed that the best way to handle stuff like that was to ignore it to not let it like not let it eat at you or just let it build and he saw way too late the damage that it was actually doing to Mika and he was crying on that podcast about how he had he was sorry for what he did but that scene in She-Hulk captured that dilemma of people of like do you give it room to breathe do you ignore it do you call it out and I think now the answer is definitely you call it out but I don't know, man. Like it just, that scene hit me. And it's so crazy for like a 20 something minute episode that it's all fun and games. You have Mr. Immortal jumping out of the window. You have Jen dancing at a party Mm -hmm. and it ends at this point that it was like, whoa. 
And that yeah. I think is what's brilliant about She-Hulk so far is that yeah. it can like pivot on a dime with serious situations like that. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's um <laughs> It's weird. I didn't expect it to get like I know and deep, but it is, uh, you know, cause, cause there is that element of like, well, okay. So like the don't feed the trolls, like that's, that's in, in a way that's like teacher one oh one, classroom management one oh one. You don't, you don't feed the trolls. A student says something for a reaction and in the moment you have to make a decision of, do I ignore it? Because if I address it, I'm making it a bigger deal than it should. Or, no, it's something I got to address, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's just, you don't feed the trolls. And one of the things I find interesting, and it's funny, take it to social media, um, you know, don't go to the comic section, comment section and stuff like that, you know, Facebook groups and how I can get caught up sometimes responding to people and stuff. And I have, when I do, I have my own little rules that I try to abide by and I'm not always great at it. Um, but there is an element of like in my own head of like, if I engage somebody in the Facebook page or comment section, I'm not perfect at all, but like, in the back of my mind, you know, one of the things that that's that's very much why I respond is the sense of like I have no illusion that I'm that no illusions, no thought, whatever you want to call it, that I'm going to change this person's mind that I'm engaging. You know, but I'm I'm responding out of the others. You know, who else is reading this? You know, like, I, I don't want this to not go challenged. Mm-hmm. And at least somebody who's reading it that might be on the fence or might, you know, be still trying to form their own thought. That's not the only thought they get, you know. Um, and and, and, it, and it kind of goes to what you're saying, that this whole, like, do I say something? Do I not? Do you let it go? And that's a tough decision to make a lot of times, you know, to what, what degree am I making it worse? You know, mm-hmm. and what degree am I not, you know, um, making it worse when I call it out. So yeah, it's, and sometimes it, you're doing both, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, I love the way you said it. you don't want it to let it go unchecked because it's, it's this misnomer that we call it trolling. The point it gets to where it gets to bringing it back to the show of death threats to She-Hulk. That's not trolling anymore. And no. I think that's the, that's the line of like, no, you do say something. And it's like you said, making sure that those kind of ideas don't go unchallenged and, uh, Oh, well, yeah. Well, and that and that's the thing. Like the 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 word trolling itself is super problematic. You know, like one of the things that my thoughts and I've talked with friend Daniel about this, I hate the term bullying. You know, as a teacher, I hate, oh, I'm being bullied, they're being bullied, are you being bullied? No, cuz only in a school setting do we use that term. 
Everywhere else, it's harassment, and it's unacceptable. But for some reason, because it's school age, it's bullying, and we treat it slightly different, how do we address it? We know how to address it. It's called harassment. We don't allow it in the workplace. We don't allow I've it other places. I've never thought about that. But for some reason in school, it's bullying? No. And, that, and the word trolling is just another way to mask harassment and make harassment acceptable. And, and yeah. I'm with you. I, I did not expect us to get to this place on, on one scene, but, and even when we started talking, I was like, man, maybe I like this episode more than I thought, but it's hard to say I like an episode when it's really just this scene. To add to depth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this level of depth. Bringing it back to the lighter side of a superhero show, what did you think of the revelation of, what was it, Hulk King asking if they were ready or if they were any closer to getting the blood at the end? Kind of getting that ominous shot of the scientists. I have a theory on who I think it might be. I'm not sure. And... Like, I can have some theories, but it's just wild speculation. Well, there's one that I think is fairly reasonable. Two that's fairly reasonable, actually, to people. But otherwise, it's wild speculation. And only say that because it's like, from what we got in the beginning, no, unless Jen says something, no one knows truly about the accident and the, and the accidental blood. Right. Mm-hmm. So, how would you even know to go check for the blood? You know, you know what I mean. Um, or again, how would you? You brought it up. How would you even know for Titania to go to that courtroom of all courtrooms? I had one theory, and I think you just sparked another theory because. Bruce is the one who's very adamant. Don't let the blood get out there Mm -hmm. to the point that he like destroys Jin's sample. Mm -hmm. We then later learn Bruce is shuttled away back to Sakaar. It's almost like that same ideology that people have of Thanos didn't strike until Odin, the Grandmaster, and everybody else was gone. It makes me wonder if there's somebody, whoever has distracted Hulk, who is very adamant about not letting the blood get out there, is behind... Like, whoever took him away is also behind who's dealing with Jin here trying to get the blood. Mm-hmm. Part of me right? thinks... Because, I mean... Yeah, yeah, I mean... She, 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 Go ahead. She even called him. It's like, hey, I've been trying to get a hold of you for a couple of weeks. Where are you at? Where you been? Call mm-hmm. me. Scrolls come to mind. Uh, their involvement somehow. The leader comes to mind. Yep. That was my theory. Mm-hmm. I was Val. only going to tease it as Mr. Blue, though. And Val. Oh, Val's a good one. Val's a good candidate. You know, um... Because I could see, and I'm assuming Val to some way is with the power broker, unless they're completely dropping that. Because Val and power broker is something that I could see 
the blood being valuable. <laughs> it's all about the yeah, wordplay. Uh, you, uh, yours is more well thought out than mine. Mine was just because they lingered on his blue gloves. And mm-hmm. with the, the messaging on the computer with hulking, it just reminded me of the Incredible Hulk where Mr. Green was talking to Mr. Blue. So that's why mm-hmm. I was thinking we're getting a uh, Samuel Stern appearance yeah. here. Yeah. Well, and, and I don't know if this is rumor or been announced, but I believe New World Order, he's in it. D23. Okay. That's where so, it was announced. Right. And so, so, you know, and the timing would make sense to have that announcement in D23 and then to see him here. And that's much more in line with what we've expected or come to expect over the years with the MCU in terms of announcements and cameos and connections. Yeah. Set up and pay off. Yeah. Well, yeah. Unless there's any more, I think that's going to wrap up the most important sections. Uh, no, I think, so, we, I think, I think we did well. Yeah. So that'll take us to our final thoughts, which is a place for us to list any stray thoughts, make predictions or, uh, highlight things to consider moving forward. So Jude, what are your final thoughts for this sixth episode of She-Hulk? Again, I'm going to go back to the, I love that it knows what it is. And it has the confidence to embrace what it is. And and that's one of the things that makes it so good. Um, you know, it's like, because we even use the term filler. You know, was this a filler episode? Was it, you know, and stuff like that. To do that, to just, just to be up front of like, yeah, this is. And it was so weird is it's not a filler episode. Like I was about to say, how you, many filler filler it, episodes spark the conversation we just had? <laughs> I know that that's the thing. It it there's enough stuff in it that's like this is not a filler episode. I, I'm on I'm on IBMDB right now, and I'm just looking at the star rating: six point five, six point two, five point six, six zero, which was the Madison episode. Uh, five, three, and then this one, four, six, coming in with the lowest rating. And I don't agree. I think this is, I get it's not the Madison episode, but it's up there with the rest, yeah. you know? Um, and I, and I think that's part of it. I think that, me, that meta awareness of what the episode is, what it's going to feel like maybe, but, but I think there, as we've talked about it, there's more yeah. to it. Well, I uh, I like your stray thought a lot. It's a lot deeper than mine. Uh, whenever we did our rewatch in the Discord, in episode one and two, I believe, I can't remember the specific instances, but Rob Logan pointed out the differences in the Hulk being an automated response for Bruce, whereas mm-hmm. Jen... Like, for example, if Bruce gets hurt, the Hulk immediately pops out. They have that scene in the Avengers where he mentions about having a gun to his mouth. He tried to pull the trigger. Hulk spit the bullet out. Jin doesn't seem to have that same response as evident by the construction workers jumping her, her freaking out. Oh, wait. And then turns. So there was this question of, 
oh, is that kind of like the offset of, okay, she is in full control all the time, but she doesn't have that safety mechanism that Bruce has. This episode proved she does. She takes a punch from Titania as Jin, completely fine. Maybe yep. it was one of those things where the inebriation helped her land. Like how they always say that you actually survive a little bit more harder falls when you're drunk because you're a lot lim limber. Mm -hmm. Or it is her Hulk powers coming through. But that was a brutal hit to the face that she took from Titania. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. You know. So, well, that's my, that, Never mind. Th this would be a tangent, but anyways. Us? Tangents? Really? Okay. <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's my one stray thought for this week i haven't making a lot of predictions this uh this season actually you know what i'm gonna go out on a limb i'm gonna make another prediction i think we're still gonna have to wait for daredevil next week i was just about to ask you that do you think they hold that restraint for daredevil for one more i i think what we've seen in the trailers of him jumping over the car is the ending of next week And it's like, it's a tease. I actually want to push it even further um, and say that's the final intag. <sighs> now, we'll say I've been disappointed that they haven't had intags the past two episodes. I'm glad you said that because it was like, it was such a jarring last week. I didn't get to bring it up. I forgot to bring it up. And then this week we didn't have it again. They were this close, this close to perfection of mm -hmm. like, this was the show that was going to perfect in tags. Like, yes. Didn't. Nope. That's my one complaint. Yeah. But <laughs> I, cause there was no cameos in this. Bruce didn't mm -hmm. show up, you know, Incredible like, Hulk. Right. Right, but like, <laughs> but like, there, there was no Wong. There was no this. It was like the title said, just Jen, just Jen. And so, with three episodes remaining, with a more serious tone at the end, did they really pull in Daredevil and a She-Hulk series at this point, and like take the focus away from the main character? And I'm not going to list out... Uh, feels like an intake. I'm not going to list out all the details, but based off my memory, we still have, have a lot of quote-unquote silly case of the week scenes and trailers that we haven't seen yet. And so I feel like three episodes left, we've got a lot of ground to cover. And I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. <laughs> that Daredevil's an intake. Yep. <laughs> Listen, I unfortunately already, I've been wanting to follow up with Leah, but I haven't, I don't know if she's seen the episode yet. I jokingly was like, well, you know, it's a trend. We don't see the suits until the end of the season. So we might not see it next week. And she's like, come on, man. Yeah. I was accidentally right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm telling you, push it to the intake. Oh, man. Maybe this is what gets us all our hate mail. <laughs> right. Well, I uh, I think that's going to wrap up. Our, I, you know what? I'm personally going to wrap up our stray thoughts so we don't get into any more trouble this week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear what you think about it as well. Uh, at MCD Note, both on Twitter and Instagram, really the best place to keep up with us is the Discord. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we've been doing weekly uh, rewatches of the She-Hulk episode. Uh, it'll be late by the time you hear this, but this week we're having our community game night. Uh, we're trying to get a lot more involved with the community that way. We'd love to meet you, so make sure you look in the show notes and join that Discord link. Yeah, and of course, ratings and review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, sharing with a friend. Those three things, put it on your to-do list, get it done, help us out. Unless it's, that, not, unless it's less than five stars, then scratch it off your to-do list. Yeah, we're in our five stars only era. Yeah. <laughs> no, no more of this modest, like, oh, whatever you honestly think about it now, five stars. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like I, I honestly want to know what you think, uh, but share that in the Discord, not in the rating review <laughs> area. Uh, <laughs> Don't make us look bad. <laughs> a- adding to the list of merch ideas, we need a coffee mug, rating review, share with a friend. This, or whatever you said the last bullet point was. <laughs> it's your daily reminders for MC you need to know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And if you need those reminders texted to you by Trey, be on the lookout for the Patreon top tier. <laughs> oh, all man. It ta- all it is is to cover his car payment and <laughs> <laughs> for personal text reminders from Trey. <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll do your voicemail. I'll throw that in for free. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. So, so I'm imagining somebody calling, and and the voicemail picks up. Hey, this is Trey from MCU. You need to know you're trying to reach so and so's phone. Please leave a voicemail, and I'll make sure it gets back to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I got lucky with the in tag on that first episode that you uh, weren't here for. Part of what I was thinking I could do was like, oh, what if I just pick a random name? Like, you know what, Jimmy, it's your lucky day. I'm going to do a voicemail for Jimmy. Hello, you've reached Jimmy. He can't come to the phone right now. Please leave your name message and just like go through a random different list of names and then like fade out as though I'm continuously going through random names. (laughs) See, if you would have finished that, Fashion Jimmy probably could have taken it and made (laughs) his voicemail. But now he can't. Ah, dang. Sorry, Jimmy. (laughs) You only got a sample taste. That was my audible watermark, so you can't (laughs) use that.